Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Lisa, I'm just so sorry to tell you that your mom had a massive heart attack. She was a chain smoker, which I didn't mention. And she is in a coma in the hospital, and they do not expect her to make it. So the last week of my mother's life, I was there in the hospital by her side. Stroke. I remember stroking her hair and just whispering, Mom, I love you. Mom, I love you so much. Fitness and wellness expert, naturopath, and adventure enthusiast, Wendy Pett. And my husband, Todd Isburner. He's a fundraising guru, men's mentor, and Bible scholar. And as a couple, we're going to share riveting breakthrough stories from our guests who've experienced the meaning of a changed life. Our hope is that you will be inspired, equipped, and entertained along your own life journey. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hey, everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. Todd Isburner here. And Wendy Pett. Welcome. And this is going to be, I think, extremely engaging for you. If that is, you've ever felt you've been in a dysfunctional situation. Like a lot of people talk about their dysfunction (laughs) junction. (laughs) Wendy and I have said that to each other once in a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everyone comes from some sort of dysfunction. If they say they don't, then they are delusional. (laughs) That's probably very true. And I think part of that is just understanding the level of dysfunction. What causes that? What do we do about it, more importantly? And so that's why we're excited about our guest today because, you know, while we can kind of joke around about this, the reality is those kinds of things are so very hurtful and painful in our lives and, and can really derail a person and going a completely different direction if they don't know what to do about it. Yeah. 100%. Our guest today. Yes, our guest today has been through the other side of dysfunction, Mm -hmm. and she's come out just squeaky clean, and I'm kind of putting on her pedestal here, but you'll see why in just a little bit, but uh, her name is Lisa Burkhart Worley, and she is the founder of Pearls of Promise Ministries, which is a ministry that helps women overcome past and current current dysfunction, go figure. You know, we can't help others if we haven't been through it, and she's been through it. So Lisa is also a popular speaker, and she is a nine-time award-winning author of 10 books and a Bible study, including her most recent book called The Root That Never Died. Okay, so I'm just a little jealous, and we're going to have to do a program about dealing with envy. I mean, look at that. (laughs) I know. Nine-time award winner, author of all these books. That's cool. Oh, no. She's amazing. She's amazing. And one that um, I just recently read was The Only Father I Ever Knew, Mm -hmm. How a Fatherless Child Finally Found True Love. Uh, was released in 2018. But Lisa, here's the cool thing also that Lisa, I mean, she's got like such an interesting history and background. She spent almost 20 years in sports television. Yes. I want some locker room stories. (laughs) Maybe we'll get some, (laughs) Um, but she was a national sport 
uh, a reporter at HBO Sports mm-hmm. and ESPN, and was also a sports anchor at the Madison Square Garden Network and local affiliates in San Antonio and Chattanooga, Tennessee. Wow. But almost um, 20 years later, God brought her back to television. So I can't wait to hear the story about behind the scenes, uh, you know, being a sports uh, television broadcast, uh, you know, host and, and reporter. But now she is an executive producer and co-host of the topical and evangelical television and radio show called Pop Talk, mm. which basically stands stands for Pearls of Promise, Pop Talk. And it's also um, hosted by Dr. Lynette Sim and also Rosemary Legrand. Wow. So we're yeah. so excited. She's mm-hmm. on several different networks, over, reaches over 180 countries, 200 million people. Wow. Oh, and, awesome. oh, and wait, awesome. wait, wait, I'm yeah. not done yet because okay. Lisa has a master's of theological studies mm-hmm. um, from SMU. And uh, Perkins School Perkins of Theology, School of Theology yeah. in 2008. And she's currently working on her Doctor of Ministry degree in Messianic Studies at King's University. She is married to Jeff of 34 years, has two sons, Kyle and Brett, a daughter in law, Bailey, and a spiritual daughter, Laura. Beautiful. beautiful. So, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Please welcome Lisa Brown. Come on Harley. in, Lisa. Welcome to your biggest breakthrough. Hey, it's great to be here, Wendy and Todd. I'm so excited. You know, the reason why the resume is so long is because I'm old. And that's what happens <laughs> when you get a few years under your belt. you got a great track record. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can understand why she was on television and, and is back on television. Beautiful. Uh, hey, Lisa, we're going to cut right to the chase. And we want you to unpack your whole story. But First things first, let's just go directly towards this whole thing of dysfunction. What in the world exactly is dysfunction? Is there a definition? Can you define it for us? You know, I don't think we realize we're in dysfunction until we get older and look back because when I was growing up in what I would call dysfunction now, it was just the way it was. I was uh, fatherless. We'll get into my story in a bit with a mother who never recovered from a sudden death of my dad. And and so it, 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 I lived off and on with my grandparents. And so in a sense, that was very much dysfunction. And uh, when my, especially when my mother wasn't able to cope and uh, was not really able to do the things moms do. But honestly, when I was in the midst of it, I didn't realize I was in dysfunction until I started examining other families where they had a mom and dad in the home and where the mother would take the daughter out shopping or they have these wonderful meals. I used to spend Sundays with a family uh, and who took me to church in high school. And I remember sitting at this mom's feet while my friend was off doing something else. And I would just study her and I would ask mm. a million questions because I didn't really grow up understanding. A lot of what I learned was by trial and error. And I remember when I was eight years old, I remember taking my dolls and I love my dolls and my stuffed animals and stuff, but I would, I decided, I just made a decision. I needed to be the adult now. So I took my dolls and I I placed them in the closet and I never took them out again because I felt like I had to grow up and I had to grow up fast. So that was a type of dysfunction. But again, I think often uh, it's not until we look back and many times we don't heal until we're uh, in our 30s or our 40s when we're able to face this and understand something was not right. Something was not normal. And, and people did not meet our expectations. Mm. 
Yeah, that's so true. Wow, Lisa. And you're right. I think people don't realize they're in dysfunction until they look around and they're like, whoa, something's a little off kilter here. And, and, and you know, you, you feel it maybe a little bit uh, internally in your soul, but you can't pinpoint it probably because you haven't had a chance to look around and see why is this a little bit different than that. But then once you understand, you're like, wow, okay, I need to get a handle on this or how do I overcome this and break through? And I think so many people stay stuck in that dysfunction. So can you talk a little bit about that, how that can be an excuse of staying stuck Mm -hmm. in the dysfunction, whether it's childhood dysfunction or uh, marriage or career or whatever the dysfunction might be? um, How does one overcome? You really have to make a choice to get out of it. I think a lot of people enjoy the pity party. And every once in a while, you know, my past will try to haunt me and it'll try to bring me down. And I think about, well, yeah, I wish I would have had a dad or, or, you know, I wish I would have had a mom who was there for me. And, and when you look at all these other people who might, maybe their parents just died and you find out about how wonderful their mother was or how wonderful their father was. And that's when these things can hit. But you have to make a choice. You know, I've got a great daddy and he, he he's my heavenly father. And I'm so thankful that at some point he introduced himself to me through a friend. And um, that is what I cling to. I cling to that relationship. And, and so we can either choose to heal or we can choose to stay where we're at. Um, I, I spent many years uh, studying the word of God. And, and as you said, I was in seminary, but it's all about getting to know my father, my heavenly father better and to really get out of this, this place I was in and feeling sorry for myself. Um, I'm taking Hebrew now and the word for to know that's often used in Hebrew about our relationship with God is yada. Yada is a very intimate term that actually means to have sex with somebody, but that's the kind of intimacy that God wants with us. And so I know I'm still not there, but, but our heavenly father wants to have that kind of relationship with us. And honestly, that is how we can, we can choose to jump out of this pity party and realize what I realized later is that all that dysfunction and all those trials really were preparation for ministry. They say the bigger the test, you know, the greater the testimony. And so I think that all the things that I went through were really uh, material <laughs> and God was uh, allowing me to suffer like Jesus so that I could proclaim his name from the mountaintop through whether whether it's a television platform or through conferences or speaking like this. Um, if I didn't have this story, who would care? I mean, who, who would listen? And it's really my way of sharing um, my faith with others. What a great perspective, though, Lisa, uh, to, to be able to use that then as an opportunity for God to use you. So you learn and grow from it. But I think you hit a couple of things that are really profound. One is that a lot of times we're in dysfunction. We don't even know we're in dysfunction. And that would be especially tough as a, as a child growing up in a home. And I, I want you, if you would, just take some time and expand a little bit about your story growing up, what the environment was like, uh, and then what was your journey of faith? How did you end up, I mean, look at where you are today. You just didn't snap your fingers. So go back to the beginning of your childhood and describe some of that, uh, that dysfunction and what resulted. Well, it actually started before I was born. My dad was a doctor. 
He was a general practitioner. He was in the military. He was an Air Force doctor. He ended up in San Antonio, Texas, and liked it so much there uh, that he got out of the military and established a private practice in San Antonio. Well, he met my mom. It was a blind date. My mother thought he was a sissy because he wore a sequin tie. And <laughs> anyway, she that's she said, I thought he was a sissy. But it, anyway, um, um, so but they fell in love. And um, one of the things my dad liked to do was play competitive polo. So on his days off, you know, he would practice and do equestrian sports. But on Sunday afternoons, every Sunday in San Antonio, uh, he would compete in these polo matches against some of the finest players in the world. But one day, something just went terribly wrong at the polo fields. My mom was there. I had a half sister. She was there. Other family members were there. And my dad clutched his chest and he um, fell off his polo pony right there. And, you know, everybody was aghast and they called the emergency medical personnel. My mom jumped in the ambulance. And unfortunately, my dad did not make it to the hospital. He died of a massive heart attack at the age wow. of 39. Wow. Oh. And how, old, how old were you? I was, that's where I, I wasn't born yet. My mother was pregnant with me wow. when this happened. And I was born two months later. By the way, I'm named Lisa William because the doctors uh, were friends that delivered me were friends of my dad. And, and they said, he, she looks just like Bill. His name is Bill, Dr. Bill Burkhart. So I'm Lisa William. So I didn't like that for a long time. I was embarrassed by having a boy's middle name, but now I, I really, I like it. But my mom uh, just never recovered uh, from the events of that day. Uh, she uh, ended up on some heavy duty uh, antidepressants. I, I remember her taking three. They later called some of the drugs that she was taking a Molotov cocktail because they mm -hmm. determined that they caused brain damage. And I think they did with her because she got progressively worse. She was for a, a stretch drinking. I can remember the liquor store delivering um, vodka and seven up mixers every day. Mm. And she would proceed to, to anesthetize herself. And for those early years of my childhood, I, I did live off and on with my grandparents. I'm so thankful for my grandmother. Uh, she was some stability in my life. But when I lived with my mom, uh, I just really felt unloved. And I know a lot of people may be watching right now who may have felt unloved by a parent. I was em really honestly embarrassed by my mom. I used to have her, we had a rickety old car in a very wealthy school district. And I used to have her park at the end of the street and drop me off at school because I didn't want anybody to see our car. I also was very lonely. A lot, my half-sister went off to live with her mother up in the East Coast and I just didn't have anybody around to talk to. You know, my, my mother was became my greatest fear and I feared being anything like my mother. And so one day in English class, my freshman English class, uh, a friend of mine named Leslie turned around. It was like five minutes left to go at five, five minutes left to go in the class. And the teacher said, hey, I'm done with the lesson. If you guys want to talk, you can. And my friend took that opportunity to turn around and, and invite me to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, she figured she had five minutes and she could get it out that quick and you'd say yes. She did. But, you know, God had prepared me for this. I was starting, unfortunately, to go down the same path as my mother. I was starting to drink at age 13. I was 13 as a freshman. And, and I was starting to, to notice boys and drinking and boys. That's not a good combination. And I don't know. I, I just felt like it, it's got to be better than what I'm living now, the life I'm living now. So I prayed the prayer. I repeated after and, and invited Jesus to come into my heart. And that family did not stop at that point. Uh, Leslie and her family 
took me to church every Sunday. They picked me up. I'd spend all day Sunday with them. And from uh, you probably guess the denomination, but we'd go to church in the morning. Then we'd have choir practice. And then we had training union. And then we had church. <laughs> and that was every Sunday. But I learned so much in those times. And, and, and I mentioned this, who I sat, I sat at the feet of a woman. Well, it was her, her mother, Leslie's mother. And I just really studied her. But that's really when I started to understand that my, my life wasn't normal and that my mom wasn't normal. So when I left for college, I just needed to run. I wanted to run from this life. And I was running from my greatest fear. Please. So, but just just when you were when you were in college, were you still making efforts to grow spiritually? Uh, were, were you maturing in your faith for a bit? I was. You know, they have you've got the parable of the seeds, right? I was one of the the seed that fell into rocky soil and didn't really mature. You know, we I started to sprout, but then or the weeds took over. Yeah, that was me. And so I wasn't at first I was, but then I started to fall back. I, I began to drink and uh, party. I, I, I felt I think part of this was that I no one knew my history. They they didn't know about my mother. They didn't I, they didn't uh, see me in tattered clothes or anything. I, I was free. Of that, and so I went a little wild. You know, I, I was the girl at all the parties, and I, I I enjoyed people, and people liked me for who I was, and and I pledged a sorority, and I played college basketball, and you know, I did about I was an overachiever then, just like I am now. I mean, I just did some all, everything I could do uh, to be normal. You know, it was really abnormal in many ways because I did too much. But uh, I did go down the wrong path. Was it was it not just to be normal, Lisa, but also to be accepted? To be accepted. Yes. I wanted people to like. Mm. And so I was just everybody's friend and just I had a good time. And so I remember I was I changed my major like three different times. I was pre-law going into college. And then I thought, what do I like more than anything? I love sports. I play. I When I was a little girl, one of the ways I entertained myself when my mother was not there for me was to watch the Dallas Cowboys. I love the yes. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and I use, I know you're from Texas, Winnie. And I would uh, watch NBA basketball. I love the New York Knicks. Funny. I was used, I, I later was on the New York Knicks broadcasts, which I never thought at the time, but uh, I used to watch them. And in golf, I love Jack Nicholas and lost speech when I met him one time. And in Anyway, but I was, I knew I loved sports. And so I decided to be a coach. But then after taking every PE class imaginable, I decided, you know, I don't think this is for me. I'm not sure I want to be a coach. This guy named Vern Lundquist came and spoke to our sports breakfast. Vern was on Dallas television at the time. He later was on national television, still is. And um, he was a graduate of my college. And he began to tell us about his career. And, and it was at that moment, something clicked. I said, that is, that is it. That is what I want to do. And at that time, only Phyllis George, uh, may she rest in peace, and, and Jane Kennedy were sports casting as women. And so, but I thought it's time for a woman uh, to, to has a sports background and a sports knowledge to break into this field. People try to talk me out of it, but I thought, no, I'm going to go for it. That's so courageous, Lisa. And I just, I mean, I'm serious. That yeah. is so courageous. Oh, yeah. And I love that. And, you know, they talk about how many thousands of hours you need to do something in, in order to be a master at it. Watching, all, like nothing's ever wasted, right? Like watching those sports when you were alone, mm. like God knew that he was preparing you for that next season of life, even at that moment, right? When you felt lonely, God's like, I got you. I got you. Exactly. You know, and I didn't even think about it that way. But yes, I think he knew 
the direction he was going to take me. He wanted me to be unusual, you know, to, to do this unusual career. So I did pursue it. And um, guess what? I had some success in it. I ended up in Chattanooga, Tennessee for my first job. And, and then my goal, though, was to come back to San Antonio, really not to have anything to do with my mom, but just I wanted to cover the Spurs because <laughs> I, I grew up around the Spurs. And, and so sure enough, I got an opportunity to work for the CBS affiliate. But I, I had this other long-term goal, and that was to work for ESPN. It was a new network at that time. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to work at a place where all they did was sports, you know, because I always, I used to always have to compete with the news uh, reporters and news anchors to get a photographer to go out and do a story because they looked at us as the toy department. And so um, I thought I would, I want to work for a, a network that does sports. And so that was my goal. And so I began, I hired an agent and, and it was a New York city agent and um, uh, it took a little bit, but he called me up and he goes, Lisa, I've got an opportunity for you. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, well, HBO Sports, a show called Inside the NFL, is looking for a correspondent. I think you'd be good for that show. Would you like to interview? And I said, yes, but there's one little problem. I am like seven and a half months pregnant (laughs) with our first child. He goes, well, why don't we try? So on the last week that I could actually travel, I went to New York City. I wore the most slimming navy blue dress that I could find. And I went in there, I interviewed a guy named, they had me interview, you know, to show how I could interview. And I interviewed someone named Marty Glickman, who uh, was an Olympian, former Olympian, Jewish man, which is interesting, you know, with my Jewish roots and was also the voice of the Jets, had been the voice of the Giants as well. And and so I did a lot of research on him. And I had to learn hockey names as well, by the way. They sent me, my agent sent me a tape of hockey pronunciation so that I could pass this interview. So sure enough, they liked me. And the executive producer of HBO Sports, Ross Greenberg, uh, his wife had just had twins. So I think he knew that the stomach would be down by, by uh, football season <laughs> and, uh, and I'd have the baby. And so sure enough, they hired me and I traveled all over the country doing that, did that for three years. And then uh, a year later, I had an opportunity to go to the top market in the country, New York City, to work for the Madison Square Garden Network. And my husband, God bless him, he was at a point in his career where he could move with me. And so he followed me to New York City. And I were I did both of those jobs for several years. Really, honestly, it's the top of my career. But then there was a, a collapse. Yes. And so how did that happen and occur? Because I, I, I can just listen to you all day long. Like, we don't even need to talk. <laughs> you can just share your story. Um, but yeah, so what happened at the, at the top pinnacle of your career? When I was working those jobs, I was still not following the Lord. I call those 17 years the lost years. It wasn't that I was a bad person, really. I did a lot of bad things that I'm, I'm not fond of and I wish I could change, but I really wasn't a bad person. A lot of people compare, we compare ourselves to the worst of the worst, but I still was not following Jesus. And so um, I, in one week's time, I did not get renewed on either my Madison Square Garden Network contract or my HBO sports contract. And I remember the executive producer of HBO sports calling me from Wimbledon, where they were uh, telecasting, where they were broadcasting. He said, Lisa, we weren't looking for anyone. We weren't looking to replace you. Cause I knew I did a good job on HBO, yeah. but we weren't looking to replace you, but someone who had a bigger name than me, who'd been on CBS sports uh, wants to do it. 
so I'm sorry. Let's have lunch sometime. Wow. And that is how I lost that job. And I was just devastated because I went from six figures to zero like that overnight. And, and, and I didn't know if I'd ever work again in the field. I remember being so panicked and calling my agent up almost every day saying, anything? Do we, do we have anything? Uh, but my husband said, we got to move. We were living in Westchester County, which is a very affluent, you know, kind of area. Not that we were in an affluent house. I always call our house Archie Bunker's house because it was just like a, a very average house. <laughs> I've got a visual. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, things were expensive there. We couldn't afford that anymore. So we had to move out to Connecticut. And we thought also maybe, maybe I'd have a chance to latch on to ESPN, which was in Bristol, Connecticut. And so we, we moved and I was, uh, I, I hated it. And I, I love New York. I love the shopping. I love the shows. I, I, I loved the, the food, uh, you know, the restaurant. I, I just loved, I was made for New York. I just loved it. And I just hate, I went kicking and screaming to Connecticut. But I thought maybe we should go back to church again. Maybe we should go back to, I, I thought this foundation that I had because I was lost and I needed some some kind of solid foundation beneath my feet. So hold on. The the fact that you the fact that you decided I feel lost. I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, <clears throat> a shakeable ground is underneath me that we need to go back to church. That is that is so good. So if you're hearing this and you've had that feeling of maybe I need to go back to church, you do. <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just needed that stability. And when you're when you're at the top of your field, you don't feel like you need that. <laughs> really, I mean, a lot of us we have success. It takes a crash like what I experienced to understand. I I need the Lord. I need God. So I went back and I did this in the, the phone book back when we had phone books. I don't know if anybody remembers phone books, but, but I kind of, I just closed my eyes and I landed on a church and that is where we went. It was in Fairfield, Connecticut. I'll, I'll never forget what happened when I walked in that church. An older woman came up to me immediately and she put her arm around me and she goes, hello, honey. We're just so glad that you came here today. I'd love to introduce you to some some young moms, because we had a three-year-old, young moms uh, like yourself, and they're doing a Bible study, and they have childcare. So let me introduce you to I me. Mean, I didn't have a chance. And so uh, <laughs> she introduced me to these other moms, and I thought, well, I got nothing but time, um, so I'm going to do a Bible study for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. So I attended this Bible study, and it, it, was in, it was on the book of John which is considered the love gospel. Mm -hmm. And as I look back, I think it was out of God's love that he allowed me to fail and drew me back and had me study about his love and what it really looks like. I was angry with, let me tell you, I was really angry with God, even though I hadn't been following him. I, I just, I yelled at him. I said, you know, why would you take my career away from me? Why would you take my livelihood away from me? which is who, you know, God is always who we blame, even though maybe we haven't been following him. And he didn't answer the first time when I yelled at him after it happened. But about six months of doing Bible study and praying and, and actually connecting with him, he finally answered those questions. Hmm. He said, I gave you a national platform to glorify me. And you didn't do it, Lisa. I had to take it away from you to get your attention. Well, that day I broke down. And I just started crying. I knew it was him. The sheep 
know his voice. You know, you know mm-hmm. when God is speaking to you. It's a, a it's a thought, it's a voice from, from another place. And I said, if you give me another opportunity as a sportscaster, not only will I give you my career, I'll give you my life. And I know he heard me because one week later, I kid you not, you cannot make this stuff up. I had a call from my agent who said, hey, ESPN is interested in hiring you as a freelance reporter. Reporter, Do you want to do that? And I and I was a praying girl now, but I took about maybe two seconds <laughs> to answer that question. And I said, yes, yes, I, you know, I would love to work for ESPN. And I knew that God, out of his love for me, had given me one of my heart's desires. You know, I think uh, so often um, it's in hindsight where we really understand sort of the overall sovereignty of God and his love for us, right? And it sounds like that when, when you sort of hit the bottom after being at the pinnacle, you naturally you questioned God because you felt you deserved to be up there, and I'm and I'm just wondering when you were down in that that bottom place, and then you were invited to church, and you started to 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 go back to the foundations of your faith. Uh, if at that point in time when you started to really see that uh, God intended this, what we sometimes call this a blessing in disguise, right? So that He could bring you at the right time this opportunity that led then to ESPN. And so, how do you, can, can you just talk to somebody right now? Because so much of it has to come by way of perspective. And you were all clouded in your vision and your thinking when you were in the midst of that 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 downturn or that hurtful time. And it's, you can't claw your way back up there. But help somebody right now figure out what do I do to gain perspective? The thing I'm in is not good, and I don't like it. Help me out. Yeah, you know, well, I was praying a lot, obviously, and I was a mess. I was a mess until that moment. I was uh, anxious. I yeah. I couldn't enjoy my my little son because I was so worried about when I was going to work again or if I was going to work again. But let me tell you, once I made that that rededication of my life to God, things started to change in in me. Um, I I began to have um, uh, God's desires, perhaps, instead of my own desires. I remember remember one time uh, I was supposed to do a story on the Boston Celtics, and it was was the day of Bible study. It was the day that I go to Bible study, and I was in charge of the muffins. (laughs) And so I, I did one of these, like, ESPN, Bible study, yes. what should I do? You know, I had a responsibility. I did end up doing the story. But you can see by that how things had changed in me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think I should tell you this story about how it changed so much that this whole goal of being an ESPN Sports Center anchor began to fade a little bit for God's desires for my life. I, um, I, I'd done a, I don't know, I worked for them for about six months when I got an offer to go back to San Antonio, where I'd come from, uh, my old job, because uh, the news director there had, you know, found out that I'd lost my positions. And so the old Lisa would have never, never gone backwards, never. I would have gotten it, you know, I had my foot in the door at ESPN. I would have done whatever, I would have worked my way up. I would have offered to do overnights or, you know, whatever it is uh, to, to get on a sports center. I, I would have just paid my dues. I would have worked hard because I know that's the way I am. But the new Lisa started to pray. The new Lisa said, 
what do you want me to do? I've got this ESPN opportunity here, and then I've got this anchoring position back in my hometown where my mother was. <laughs> and so I um, felt like God said, or I felt like what was in my heart was if they offered me Sports Center at ESPN, it would be my sign to stay. But if they did not offer me Sports Center, that would be my sign to go because I'd had enough of reporting to see that reporters for ESPN were all over the map all the time. Sometimes a full-time reporter might not even be home for several weeks because they'd send you from this story to this story to this story. And so I didn't think that would be good for a marriage, nor did I think it'd be good for my little boy. So I told them I had a job and that they brought me in and they said, Lisa, we cannot offer you a sports center anchor position at this time, but we can offer you a full-time reporting position here at ESPN. And I mean, I think I'm the first person to ever turn down a full-time reporting position at ESPN, mm. but wow. I knew what I had to do. I looked him straight in the eye. And I said, I'm sorry. I, I feel like I need to go back to San Antonio and take this position. Mm. Yeah. You, the, the fleece had already been laid out there and you had it you had it there and you were praying about it. And the fact that, you know, I, I think you said, well, you weren't wired the way uh, in which you would always, you know, go back, that you would turn back uh, on on your goals and and because you're just such an ambitious woman. But this isn't turning back. It's actually turning forward into God's greater, right? So it's actually seeing it with a different mindset shift. Yes, it was. It's like he was rewiring me. Use the word yeah. wiring. You know? Yeah. He was, he was rewiring me. And uh, this was part of it. So I went home and it was very exciting. They promoted me a lot. And um, that year I went to the Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys. Nice. <laughs> I, uh, I went to every game home and away. I covered the Spurs in the playoffs. They sent me to the Winter Olympics in Lillehammer. I was Lisa in Lillehammer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so they had, they, we did a fake skiing thing. I was on a, like a platform and they made it look like there was snow. And I was like this, like in the skiing position. I, We've probably have seen you on TV <laughs> and didn't realize have. it at the time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so maybe cool. so. I don't know. Yeah. But it wasn't about all that. No. No, my going back to San Antonio, and this is part of what we were talking about. This is the part of the rewiring and how he does something in us. He does what what uh, the fancy word sanctification. When we give him our lives, he changes the way we perceive things. We've been talking about perception and dysfunction, but he can heal all that when we give yes. our lives to him. And part of that healing involved my mom. By that time, my mom, by the time I got back to San Antonio, she was living in a group home. She was not able to regulate her medication. Um, and when she'd get off her meds, things would happen. That's all I'll say. But uh, so she was in a group home. Mm -hmm. And I began to visit my mom really for the first time since I had left for college. God began to do a work in my heart. And he began to help me to see my mother as he saw her. And I began to understand that it must have been traumatic and so tragic the day my dad dropped dead in front of her eyes to watch him take his last breath. I can't even imagine what that would be like if something happened to my own husband in, in front of me. How, what, how would that affect me? Mm -hmm. And I began to realize I was judging my mother for mm -hmm. what had happened. And I, 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 I had some empathy for my mom for the first time in my life. I, I realized that what she suffered from was probably something like post-traumatic stress disorder. She couldn't help it. What happened? Something snapped in her brain that day. Yeah. 
because God gave me a different perspective, his perspective on my mom, I, I began to love my mother, loved her unconditionally. And, and I began to help her. I bought her clothes or I gave her money and there was nothing in return. Unconditional love doesn't expect anything in return. She just couldn't. She didn't have the capacity to love me in return, but I loved her and I wanted to take care of her needs. And I remember one day I was still in television and she called me up and she said, Lisa, I need a pair of shoes. And I, I wanted to get her those shoes. I, it was like, it was an urgent matter for me. And um, I, I raced out at lunch that day and I, I found just the right pair of shoes for her. But I understood later why I had that feeling like I had to get those shoes to her quickly. It's because God was saying, Lisa, time is short. I'd been home for about a year and a half and I'd been honoring my mom for a year and a half. You know, the Bible says, honor your father and mother. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they're good fathers and mothers. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they take care of you the right way. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if um, they love you like you want to be loved. No, it, it just says honor your father and mother. Yes. And I wasn't doing that. Hmm. And so that, that I, I got a call. I bought her the shoes and I got a call from her caregiver and she said, Lisa, I'm just so sorry to tell you that your mom had a massive heart attack. She was a mm. chain smoker, which I didn't mention. Mm. And she is in a coma in the hospital, and they do not expect her to make it. Mm. So the last week of my mother's life, I was there in the hospital by her side. Stroke. I remember stroking her hair and just whispering, Mom, I love you. Mom, I love you so much. And I made sure that I had those shoes on her feet, you know, when she was laid to rest. And I know I heard something, you know, again, that she know his voice. And he said, Lisa, now you understand what my unconditional love is all about. God calls us to love even the unlovable. He says, love your enemies. <laughs> Love your enemies. And, and he was calling me to love my mom. It was wow. a beautiful, beautiful story of redemption in your life and in your mother's life. You come in with a redeeming love uh, with no strings attached, just unconditionally loving her, though she couldn't give you anything back. Uh, I just want to go back for a minute because it sounds to me like the, the genesis of all of these changes was that point in time where you really truly surrendered Rather than saying, God, I'll come back and serve you if, if yeah. you give me the right job that I'm looking for. You just said, God, whatever it is, I'm open to that. And from that point on, as you unfolded your story, it just seems like God was able to put everything together in the right places to be able to reveal himself to you and then use you in a greater way. And I understand now you have made yourself completely available so that you're not sports casting anymore, but you've really got it. You've got a heart for busted up women. And I uh -huh. think it's beautiful the way God has created. Tell us a little bit about the ministry that has been established and what you're doing through that. Pearls of Promise. Yes. Well, the name is straight from God, I think, Pearls of Promise, because pearls um, are formed after years of distress in an oyster shell, maybe 10 to 12 years of irritation. But look what God does. He makes something beautiful out of it, doesn't he? And that's what we believe uh, he can do with our lives, with all women's lives. He can take all those, you know, 10, 12, 15, 17, you know, for me, it was 17 years 
uh, of, of this dysfunction, that big word we're talking about, uh, and make something beautiful out of it. And so through Pearls of Promise, it's my heart to help women come out of uh, whatever it is they're, they're struggling with. Um, I, I want to do that through uh, our books. Uh, we do it uh, through our conferences. We have this Level Up conference that we do every year. We, we do it through the blogs, in particular, the blogs. Um, I, I'm a writer. I love to blog. <laughs> Life's a blog is my motto. And so, uh, so I love to, to do that. And the TV show that we do um, is a little bit different. It's a little more evangelical in nature uh, with topics we had Wendy on, of course, but um, yes. but through that, we're trying to introduce some faith-based concepts mm-hmm. and some topics, and, and we do have a lot of people come on that show how God has taken their life and turned it 180 degrees, and so it's our way of reaching people uh, through that TV show. And I just want to say something about the television show. I left television after 19 years. And I said at that time, I don't ever need to go back on television. I, I was tired of the politics. I was tired of the hours. I, I just said at that point, I would never do it again. Well, guess what? God had different, I, a different plan for my life. And I just kept, I, I was always putting up the wall that I'm too old now. I felt like I was too old in my 40s when I left. And now I'm too old um, to do it. And but he just blew through that. He kept parading women in their 70s that were doing television shows right in front of me. Like, what is this? Just a bevy of mes- messages through uh, our mutual organization, Christian Women in Media. Mm-hmm. And I realized, okay, well, let me try it. And so we shot it on my tele- my phone at first. And the first show was sideways. <laughs> <laughs> and we learned. And then God brought us a, a studio. God brought us a, a guy who helps us, and we're paying him to, to, to help us to do it right. And then once we did it right, the Lord just opened up all these platforms. Hmm. You, you know when it's God's will for your life because um, that verse, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You don't have to work very hard. Uh, everything's come to me. The guests come to me. It's, it's like, okay, I'm just, on the, I'm just on the ride. I call it riding the God wave. Yeah. But it's all about my heart. The bottom line is my heart is about helping women to get unstuck. I love that about you, Lisa. And I love everything that you do. And I have mm. I've grown to just get to know you because we're both on the advisory board for Christian Women in Media. And we've just had some deep conversations. And um, you're just a, a woman after God's own heart. You know, David, yes, Lisa, too. Um, but you are a pearl in this world and you have earned that that beautiful pearl glow because you have been agitated for a lot of years, but God has taken that agitation mm-hmm. and turned it into such a beautiful work of art. And now you're able to um, work with other women that have, have gone through the struggles too. So thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for sharing your story on your biggest breakthrough because you've had several mm-hmm. your biggest breakthroughs. Yeah. And, um, and I know someone listening right now is going to be encouraged yeah. about maybe the dysfunction that they've been living in, that they can too uh, breakthrough on the other side. Yeah. And so because of your story, I know someone else will be touched. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you all for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yes. And if, if people want to learn more about you, where can they go? Uh, what, what's your website? Okay. Our website is pearlsofpromiseministries.com. We're also on Facebook and uh, we're on Twitter and for now <laughs> and Instagram. Exactly. Very good. Okay. We'll go to pearlsofpromise.com and check out Lisa and her mm-hmm. books and all that her ministry is doing. So bless you, my friend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Lisa, you're a gem. Blessings. Thank you all very much.
Wow. What an amazing, amazing uh, interview. I mean, she, I mean, she can just carry it the stage I, yeah, because she has such a story. We have to have her back or I have to contact her separately. I need to hear locker room stories. Oh yeah. We didn't get back, any of those. Back in the, I mean, come on back in the seventies. Oh, you know, when she first started out, she really truly was a pioneer. Yeah. But she's also a pioneer in helping people dismiss the lie that if you are in a dysfunctional situation, that there's no way out. That's a lie. Or people who've been through that dysfunction and they know it and they're thinking, but how could God ever use that? Is there really such a thing as healing and being able to use that for good? And I think Lisa's a classic example. Yeah, we she do, chose. She yeah. chose to be healed. She, and chose. she chose to take that route. And she put her focus on God yeah. and surrendered to him. Yeah. And surrendered. I think the healing was then accelerated in her life. And yeah. I, mean, I just love it. There, we, we do not have to hang on to the things of the past. Mm -mm. We don't have to worry about the effects that dysfunction maybe had on us at one time. In fact, we can flip around and say, God, use all of that for good. Deepen it inside of me and help me be a blessing to others. That's right. And um, if you enjoyed this show, and again, we always appreciate you listening in, but yeah. if you enjoyed this show, uh, we think you'll also enjoy episode 10 uh, with guest Robert Borelli. Oh, yeah. And he actually was, uh, talk about dysfunction. Oh, over the top, over the top. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking in the in the trained up by the mafia and in prison and you name it, but you gotta go listen episode 10, but we would love to um, hear your thoughts on this episode, but thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next time on your biggest breakthrough. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on your biggest breakthrough podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.